Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 133 with Lee Carraher. We're going meta because Lee is boomeranging or returning back after she's been with us almost 100 episodes ago. And we're talking about boomerang employees, the concept and why there's benefits there. So you're going to walk away with one, a fresh definition of lifelong loyalty for the change in times. Two, how to make a graceful exit on both the employer and employee side. And three, means of telling if you are boomerang ready. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we reference here, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep133. And while you're over there at awesomeatyourjob.com, I do recommend you check out some of the goodies in terms of the Gold Nugget email list in which we take the notes for you. If you're running or driving and wish you could write down some of the stuff guests are saying, we'd write down some of it for you, email it right to you. You can augment that with your own and know it's complete, as well as the 10 Days to Winning at Work email course, which has some tools for slashing through the waste in your work week. So here's Lee's story. Lee is the founder and CEO of a highly sought after communications firm known for producing great results with its innovative approach to traditional, digital, and experiential programs. She's a long history of leading high-performing multi-generational teams that enjoy working together. Lee is a champion for creating a positive workplace culture that fully supports its talent, even when they choose to move on. She takes the long view to support employees building their own personal brands that balance loyalties to themselves and their employers. Lee believes that companies are able to inspire lifetime loyalty from employees, currently or formerly employed, and these companies are the best suited to thrive. She's long recognized that people will leave employers and understands the real problems as causes for companies. Here's Lee. Lee, thanks so much for joining us once again on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Pete, thank you so much for having me back. I so appreciate it. Oh, yes. Well, I've thought about our interview many times. Almost every time I hear the word millennial, <laughs> it's like 72% of people don't like that term or millennials. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so that was way back in episode 35. My goodness, almost 100 episodes later. Tell us, what have you been up to since July? Since July, I have finished my second book, and I'm getting ready for that to come onto the market. We had Christmas, and I survived in a new house, so that's good. And our business has grown about 25% since we spoke, so oh, a lot has been going on, yes. Well, I hope you're keeping your sanity, and you've also grown your help base, proportionately. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's good. Well, so tell us about this new book, The Boomerang Principle, Inspire Lifelong Loyalty from Your Employees. Intriguing. And you're not talking about boomerang for Gmail. You're talking about people. I'm talking about people and not the thing you throw into the air. Yeah, I'm talking about people. You know, and so many people I talked to and I did workshops with in my work with my first book, Millennials in Management, I was encountering all of these people who were like, why should I put any time into these millennials. They are job hoppers. They're going to leave before they become useful. I'm going to put all this effort into them and they're going to leave. I'm going to start all over again. And I was coming up against this all the time. And then I realized there's actually until very recently, over 50% of the companies in this country had policies against rehiring people. 
Wow. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't I know this at all. Let's exactly. review that stat. Until recently, the majority of the companies. The majority of companies had policies against hiring people back. Oh, that's wild. So it's not even just sort of frowned upon or taboo. It's like straight up against the rules. Straight up against the rules. (laughs) And when I say policies, I mean, these were HR people saying, no, we can't do that. That's what I mean. Mm. That was the policy on there. So and it's really recent that people are thinking about this as a continuum, right? And most companies still don't rehire people. So I think that's very foolish. (laughs) And... I think the more that we think about in the old model, the model that I sort of started my career in, and remember that I'm a boomer, we thought of, one, staying at companies much longer than we do today, particularly young people. Number two, we thought that we would stay with company forever and ever, and then we would retire with a nice golden watch. And three, really this idea of if you leave to me, you're dead to me was very prevalent. And frankly, it was fine because there were you know about 79 million boomers We'll just find another one. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> work has changed dramatically since I started work being over, I don't know, 25 years ago. And those constructs are no longer valid. And if we don't shift our mindset to say, you know, you, let's stop measuring loyalty by tenure, but let's measure loyalty over the lifetime of a person who's been with us, we're going to be short-sighted and our businesses are going to suffer. So I wrote the book to help people break themselves at that. Well, that's helpful. Thank you. And it's funny when I read the title and the premise and just sort of processing through a little bit, it's like, you know what, that does make some good sense. And that, you know, it'd be nice to break a little bit of the taboo and stigma, but you're saying, no, no, it's much bigger than just that. Yes. And so, well, I'd love to start with digging in a little bit. So you say nowadays it is unrealistic to expect employees to stay in one place for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I am inclined to agree with you there, but you know me, if you have any data (laughs) to bring to bear on that, I would like to get your take on that. Like, you know, why is that? And just how long is unrealistic? Sure. Well, I think there's a couple of things. There is a generational divide in that. So people who are millennials and people who are boomers and people who are jexers in the middle. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is what I use in my book, you know, has measured this, always measures this. Every year they do a report. It's released in September and they talk about tenure. And in 2016 for 2015, the tenure had gone from 4.7 to 4.3 years. And then it had dropped in the previous year had been... 5.0 to 4.7. And then there was a blip in 2008, 2009, obviously, when it's about 8 million people lost their jobs. But the time where the average or the median was seven and eight and nine years is over, right? Because if you think about the average, you're talking about some people who leave at 18 months and some people who leave at 10 years, Mm -hmm. you know, and everything in the middle. So one, at least the U.S. government, how they measure it is measuring down to what I think particularly older people in the workplace thought was standard. Number two is, you know, millennials, and there are more millennials than there are any other generation. So we have to remember that, you know, they have been brought up hearing from their parents, do not stay at a company too long. You will be stale because their parents, Gen Xers or boomers got caught, you know, people who lost their jobs in 2008, 2009, the 8 million mostly boomers who lost their jobs in 2008, 2009, you know, 
those people had been in their jobs for a while and some of them were ready to retire. And all of a sudden, either they lost their jobs or they couldn't find jobs, new jobs, or they had to stay in jobs, right? And they felt constrained, like I don't have any options because of their tenure or where they got stuck at the end of their careers. So that's number two. And number three is, you know, really this idea of the golden watch. And if this implicit contract is, if I come work for you and I work hard, you take care of me. That was broken a long time ago, right? Mm It, it's still part of the American dream. It was still talked about as the American dream, but it is so fictitious that I'm really not sure what it's going to take to get it out of our lexicon. But, you know, really in the late 80s and 90s is when publicly traded companies really started changing how they moved to profit for the street, not necessarily for the health of their business by driving down employment to get to the margin, to get to the dividend. And I have all the research in my book. It's, you know, there's pages and pages and pages of this stuff. But all of these things together have created an environment where individuals know that they're going to have to work longer than they thought, right? They're going to have to work for a long time. Mm -hmm. We get to live longer too, though. So we got that going for us. We got that guy one for us <laughs> that requires more things, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the longer you live, the more, you know, aches and pains you're going to have if you're a negative person or the longer you live, the more joy you're going to have if you're a positive <laughs> person, right? But one, we're living longer, we have to work longer. Two, we can't count on a company to carry us, right? And we need to craft our own careers so that we have more options because we can't control. We, there's so many things we can't control when we're employees. And most people aren't the right type of people. I don't mean right. I just say they're not predisposed to working for themselves. Many, many millions of people work for themselves, but the majority of people are employed by other people. And if that's the case, you need to have more options. And the more options mean that you are relevant and fresh and you know new things. And the work that we're doing today is changing so fast, right, that if we're not getting new skills all the time, if we're not keeping relevant all the time, if our companies are not predisposed to teaching and providing mm -hmm. that, and we also don't do it for ourselves, well, we don't want to get stale because getting stale means no opportunity and no opportunity is really not to be a Debbie Downer, but really the death knell of a career when we think about how long careers are going to be today. So all those things together say that people start their careers thinking I'll be here. You know, I might have three or four careers over the course of my entire working career. Number one. Number two, I have to make sure I keep relevant and millennials also want to have jobs that matter. And if they're not in organizations where they think they're making a difference, they will go seek it elsewhere. Mm. Well, so much of that is resonating. And I really felt that sort of experientially as I sort of began my own career out of college. And I was looking around and I ultimately settled on, you know, Bain & Company Strategy Consulting mm -hmm. because I thought, you know what, at the end of the day, I think this is going to provide me with the skills, the, you know, pedigree or resume prestige, whatever, Hi. the network and some, you know, good upfront compensation such that I can sort of do anything. And that mm -hmm. I need that because who knows what I can count on anyone for, you know, not to be like hyper paranoid, <laughs> but that was sort of what I thought because I was spooked by the notion of layoffs. And it's like, oh my gosh, that Absolutely. can happen to anybody. Smart, anybody. great people I know I've gotten laid off. That's wild. Mm -hmm. and so I'm right with you there. And so I'd like to maybe talk a little bit then about 
I guess, the mindset there. Mm-hmm. So if we're thinking that, okay, median tenure, 4.3 years and on the decline. And so we're sort of thinking, I have less of a lifespan associated with a given employee for a term, a role mm-hmm. with right. us at a company. So then if I had the mindset that they are dead to me, you know, they're not loyal, they don't care, mm-hmm. they left us for a modest pay bump. If I am that Scrooge, how should I get over myself? (laughs) Well, you need to get over yourself fast, right? Because if how you think about former employees is you're dead to me, then you are working way too hard to find new ones. Okay. Truly. Because a company that is good to return to is a company that's nice to stay at. All right. Right? So the residual halo of accepting and encouraging people to return when they have learned new skills and had different experiences and can come back to a company in a different role, usually, right, and bring the knowledge that they've learned not on your dime but on someone else's to bear Mm -hmm. on your company, the halo effect is so positive that it creates actually the kind of environment people want to stay for. So if the median is 4.3, If you're a company, you can be at six instead of 4.3 or seven instead Mm -hmm. of 4.3, you're winning. You are winning so hard because (laughs) you're not churning your people out, right? You're not having to replace people all the time. Every time you hire someone, you know they're going to leave you. So it should not be a surprise people are going to leave, right? (laughs) Just like when everyone who's born will one day die. Exactly. Mm. So everyone you hire is going to leave you. You just want it to do on your own terms. Well, the tables have turned for knowledge workers. Knowledge workers and the high performers and the people who get along well with other people, right? All these things matter. Mm -hmm. They are more in the driver's seat and will continue to be more in the driver's seat than the company in terms of opportunity. So when you actually focus on making people as productive as possible, as fast as possible in a workplace – by providing training, by being a good manager, by accepting people back into your organization after they've had experiences somewhere else. These are things that actually keep people in the seats. So when, you know, this attitude of, I'm not going to invest in these people because they're going to leave me anyway, just chases people to the door faster Okay. than to say, what is it you want to do in your career? What skills do you need to get that done? Let me see if I can match those up here. You have to perform. I'm not advocating for a lower performance standard. I'm actually advocating for a higher performance standard, which is attainable when people think your employees are invested in doing something for the team because they matter to the team and because the team is doing something that matters. And two, that the company is providing the kinds of opportunity that they can take advantage of to learn more, to become better. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. And I think that's a nice, healthy dose of realism right there. It's going to happen anyway. So certainly. And I just think it's more fun to invest in people. Call me a old softy. <laughs> well, you know, but, I have to say it really comes out of this principle. And the boomerang principle is that those companies that encourage and allow their former employees to return have a strategic advantage over those that don't. That's the principle. I've really run my businesses that way for the last 18 years. And I had this epiphany in 2000 during the dot-com boom when I, you know, you could get a job with a pulse mm-hmm. 
And everyone would come into my office, say, I got another job offer. And the company, this wasn't for this company, it was for another company. The company policy was counter, keep anybody in the seat as much as possible. Hmm. And it's exhausting. And one day I just woke up, I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. I am done. You know, people who want to like play games and go get another job and have me counter, they're going to leave anyway. Okay. You know, they spent energy finding a new job. How can I, you know, I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to put all the effort into keeping people there. So I didn't even get a chance to tell my leadership team that I'd made this decision without any input. I just made this decision. (laughs) Very autocratic. And when someone walked into my office and said, I've quit and I've got this job somewhere else and my last day's in two weeks. And he was expecting me to counter him. And instead I said, good luck. And he was incredulous. He he was like, what do you mean? You're not going to counter me? I'm like, no, I'm not countering you. But you countered Joe last week. I said, yeah, he's the last one. I'm done. (laughs) And he was so mad, you know. And instead I turned my energy to saying, well, here's what I know about that company. I know a few people there. Here's what they're known for. Here's where their strengths are. You know, make sure, you you know, you're going to do well there. And in a couple of years when you've, you know, exhausted your time there, please call me. Maybe there's a position for you back here. And he was so mad. I'll never work here again. Oh, he was just mad. After you were so nice. (laughs) His strategy, his strategy was, I like it here. Uh I'm going to get another job. I haven't been able to get a raise off cycle. So I'm going to go get another job. She's going to be forced to give me a raise like she does with everybody else. And I'll be happy. Well, I was done. And I can tell you that the reaction of the staff, first, it was sort of like, oh, my God, what just happened? Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the day, it was, oh, thank God. And when I was able to turn our attention and our resources to keeping people there by not countering, Mm -hmm. but by throwing those resources into our culture and into development and training, people stopped leaving. So when I started this company... So my company is now 15 years old. Today, we're about 32 people. Right now, five of our people are boomerangs. They have left and they've come back to different positions. But over the course of our history, I think that number is like 13. I probably should find out that number. Mm. But 13. Well, we're a small company. But that every person we bring back saves us about $100,000 minimum. Oh, wow. And what are the major drivers of that big number? The major drivers are the time it takes to bring people on board, Uh the fee we have to do for recruiting and retaining, right? And the productivity loss between someone leaving and then opening a new rec. I mean, in general, in our business, someone doesn't become fully functional for nine months. I hear you. So if we can shorten that up by six months, right? Because we should not expect someone to return and just be automatically 100% because we have changed, they have changed, they have to do something different, right? But if we can shorten up that onboarding process by six months, oh my goodness. If we cannot have a recruiting fee because they used to work for us, oh my goodness, right? Oh, that's so cool. Well, so then we'd love to hear them. So you're talking about lifelong loyalty and you're Mm -hmm. sort of reframing the term, not like I'm staying here for 30, 40 years, but rather I think that this is an awesome employer over the Mm -hmm. course of my life. And I will recommend them and possibly return. Or how do you conceptualize that term, lifelong loyalty? So that is the key, right? I don't want people just to be loyal to me while they work for me. I want them to be loyal to me for their entire career. And when I say me, I mean my company. Mm -hmm. And what that loyalty looks like is 
I go out into the world and when there's an opportunity, I think of my company first. So it's either as a vendor or a partner or an employer or an employee, right? So that if they're out there and someone says, what do you think about Double Forte? Do you know anything about them? I do. I would hire them in a heartbeat. Or, you know, if you're looking to get into public relations, there's no better place to go in your career. You know, go there for a few years. You're going to learn so much. Or you should hire those guys. Don't even talk to anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. I've just shortened up everything because someone who used to be here has shortened my sales cycle, shortened my retention cycle, right? And it makes it more glideful. I don't even know that's a word, but that's lovely. You know, you sort of glide through it instead of everything is a hustle, hustle, hustle. I'm not saying you don't have to hustle. I'm just saying you don't have to hustle so hard if people are out there advocating for you. So over the course of someone's life literally life, they might be loyal to nine employers over their time for different reasons. But what you definitely don't want in this age where people have personal brands that have tons of influence in purchasing powers and partnership power and, you know, as advocates, someone out there saying, whatever you do, don't go to Double Forte. Mm -hmm. That'd be the kiss of death. I'd have to start marketing. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't, right? Everything is by referral. Oh, that's so powerful. Thank you. So, well, now I'd like to hear a little bit in terms of, Mm -hmm. you know, exit interviews and the whole kind of process when someone's leaving, what are the things that need to go and what should they be replaced with? Well, on the employee side, you know, you might leave because you're disgruntled. You might not like who your boss is. You know, there's lots of reasons to leave. You might be leaving because your time is done and it's time to go somewhere else or you're not motivated, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're leaving because it's not great and you have sort of like a grading sense of it, right? The most important thing is not be stupid. Okay. <laughs> Just don't be stupid. And I've heard so many stories, Pete. Oh my gosh, like, some guy put the sugar in the salt thing or the salt and the sugar thing. Another person replaced the water filtration system and put, um, didn't replace it, but added food coloring to the water filtration uh. system. You know, there's just dumb things, right? And, or shredded stuff or signed up for all these magazines on the company mm. credit card or whatever. There's just dumb stuff. In retribution, or they thought it was funny, but it was funny for a reason because they had an axe to grind. Right. Well, you're not just leaving a company, you're leaving people who have to clean up after you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just don't be dumb. Okay. Right? <laughs> Number one. Number two, tie up everything in a bow, right? Tie up all your projects. You know, leave a memo or an email. Here's everything that I've been working on, here's everything you need to know. Here are the next steps. Here are the key deadlines. Here's what I recommend that you do. And here's how to reach me if you don't understand what I just said, you know? Right. Tie everything up in a bow so that no one is picking up your slack as you walk out the door. If they're picking up slack, it should be their own because they weren't paying attention, not because you didn't leave it well tended. And three, I think, say thank you. Thank you for your opportunity. Thank you for being here. You know, make a meaningful connection with the people you've worked with as you leave And then keep those connections over time. I'm not saying like the next day, call them and say, hey, you want to have coffee? No, (laughs) but, you know, make sure you're on LinkedIn, send a note, get together with the people who have mattered to you in your career at the previous employer. And, you know, on a regular basis, send them email, make sure they're, you know, if they see something interesting in the news, make sure they get it, you know, blah, blah, blah. These are easy things, right? If you just put your brain to it. Mm. 
That's so good. Thank you. And so then that's on the employee side. Mm -hmm. Now on the employer side, you know, what would you recommend if you are the manager and someone is departing? You know, how do you make that an optimal exchange to facilitate lifelong loyalty? Well, first, I think don't avoid the exit interview. Have one, right? Have an exit interview and ask for feedback. I mean, there's definitely points of view on this, right? And particularly, we're recording this on March 3rd. And in San Francisco right now, we're in the wake of the Uber scandal around female engineers at the company. So, you know, there's definitely toxic companies that, you know, maybe you shouldn't be as truthful when you're leaving as after you've left or whatever, right? Because you can't imagine the benefit of that. However, when you're an employer, you should have an exit interview. And my belief is, what can I do as an employer to help my soon-to-be former employee be successful somewhere else? What can Mm -hmm. I do for you? What can I do for you as you start? Can I make a phone call for you? Oh, I know somebody over there. Let me make a phone call and say, you know, Joe's coming over there in a couple of weeks. You are so lucky to have him. What can I do to ease your way into your next place? Right. Mm. These are easy things. These are easy things to do. And if you've done a bad job of firing someone or letting somebody go or, you know, this happens, right? We have bad days and something happens. You're like, oh, my gosh, I totally screwed up. Well, it's on the boss who screwed up to reach out. Maybe not the next day, but within, you know, when you know you've done it, reach out and say, I'm sorry. Reach out and say, I'm really sorry. I handled that so poorly. I apologize. Is there anything I can do for you? Maybe the person will say, no, there's nothing you can do for me and hang up. And maybe the person will say yes and do what they ask. But if you've screwed up and you've been rude and you have done something, you know, not to your liking, which we all do, not one of us has not had a bad ending because it was our fault, (laughs) right? Pick up the phone and make amends because that person will be out there in the world and you might want them to return someday. They might be your boss someday. Just saying. Mm, That's good. That's good. You know, I can't help whatever you reference or say the you're dead to me. I think of Zoolander. (laughs) (laughs) You're more dead to me than your dead mother. (laughs) So you're saying... If you say that to the employee, you, that, you should apologize. You should dead to me like a dead mother. Yeah, yeah. Mm, you know, if you put some expletives in between that, you definitely should apologize. Understood, understood. Well, so now you've also have an assessment tool on your website yeah. to share if we're boomerang ready, both on the employer side and the employee side. You know, what are some maybe just golden distinguishing questions that you might mm-hmm. share from there? Sure. For employers, is there anybody in your company who's returned? <laughs> All right. Because if there isn't, you are not boomerang ready, right? Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Is your leadership just dead set against having people return to you? So one, understand what's written down as a policy and then what's in the air as a policy are two different things, right? right. For employers, do you know where your former employees are? Mm-hmm. Do you keep in touch with them? Have you created a private alumni club? which I think is going to be one of the most strategic things that you can do for business development is actually a company hosted alumni club that keeps people connected to you. 
So if you can say yes to an alumni club, yes, people come back to you. Yes, leadership's open to it. Well, then you're boomerang ready. And you're probably having people leave at good times. You know, mm-hmm. people leave at good times. If you say no to all those things, then you are working really hard to recruit people. Right. And people probably are on the lower end of that tenure track for sure. On the employee side, you know, did you leave badly? Are you keeping in touch with your former employers? Are you in their alumni clubs or not? Have you reached out to your old boss? You know, you're responsible for your network. No one is responsible for your network but you. And we can all make sure that it's strong and that we keep in touch and are professionally useful and helpful to the people who are in it. Mm -hmm. That's good. Thank you. So tell me, Lee, is there anything else you want to make sure we cover off before we hear a newer round of newer (laughs) favorite things? I would just say that, you know, like I said earlier, a company that you return to is a company to stay for. And for knowledge workers, you know, keeping the best people in your company is a strategic decision that is culture-based. And the more we can create these positive cultures, the more we're going to be sustainable and strong and profitable. Okay, thank you. Okay, well now, could you share with us a recent-ish favorite quote? Yes, well, a little controversial, but nevertheless, she persisted is currently my favorite quote. Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren and Mitch McConnell, Senator McConnell, you know, had her sit down. And in that discussion, she said, nevertheless, she persisted, which is offensive to all of the women who have worked really, really hard just to get where they are. Mm-hmm. I hear you. <laughs> okay. And how about a favorite study or experiment or piece of research? You know, I'm doing a lot of research right now around girls and science in STEM. And I actually got kicked out of the Girl Scouts. But the Girl Scouts did a piece of research last year about girls in science, and I just think it's fascinating. And I think there are lots of things that we can do to make sure that we're not unconsciously biasing our girls against science and math and engineering careers. And as we've seen in the last movie, Hidden Figures, you know, women who, black women who were at NASA had everything to do with getting to the moon that the men who were in the capsule did. So the more we can encourage our girls to be scientists, the better our world's going to be. Okay. Thank you. And how about a favorite book? Breaking Through Bias. So you can see a theme here. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Breaking Through Bias by Andy Kramer. She's a lawyer in Chicago, in your hometown. And she wrote this book with her husband about all the communication mistakes that women make that actually don't help us, you know, go forward. Like for instance, in meetings, if there's two women, often they will sit next to each other. And that is a mistake. Women should sit opposing sides from each other. So it's harder to pass over. So right this moment in time, you know, this is a book every young woman should read. All right. Thank you. And how about a recent favorite tool? Focus at Will. It's my favorite app right now. So Focus at Will is an app that uses music to create an environment where you can focus on the things that you're trying to get done and you can choose the type of music and the intensity of that music based on their science and they get a lot of feedback and they are constantly evolving this thing. And I can tell when I was using this app, I started using this app halfway through writing my book and I saw a dramatic 
change in my productivity once I started using the app in my writing. So I'm a huge fan. Oh, that's great. And so I must ask for the cheapskates <laughs> that are listening. They'll say, well, can I just get a few of those songs on iTunes or Spotify? No. Okay. They're unique. <laughs> they're custom compositions. They are. Well, there are definitely some things that are in their classical. I mean, they're definitely their music. It's music that has been composed, but how it gets put together for you. I mean, I guess you could do it yourself. That's a lot of work. I'd rather not spend the time. I'll spend the money instead of the time on that. <laughs> oh, certainly. And how about a favorite habit? Right now, I am in the middle of a social media habit that is 100. I'm on, I think, day three, day three of 100 days of positive. Last year, I did this 100 days of positive, which was 100 different images with 100 different positive sayings or quotes or feelings on them. And I'm putting them into my social media stream so we can just have more positive things in our social media streams. Oh, that's good. Thank you. And is there a particular nugget something that you articulate in the boomerang principle that seems to really be resonating and getting folks engaged? Mm -hmm. Well, definitely the dead to me thing, right? Is mm -hmm. getting, because they know that concept. And when I say, if your former employees are dead to you, then you're working too hard to find new ones. That really captures people's like imagination. And then I can really explain what's behind the boomerang principle more than anything else. Oh, thank you. And once again, what's the best way for folks to get in touch or see what you're up to? The best place to go is my website, www.leecarraher.com, L-E-E-C-A-R-A-H-E-R.com. And on Twitter, I'm at Lee Carraher. All right. And do you have a final sort of call to action or parting challenge for folks seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? Take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. I like that. Can you give us one example of self-care <laughs> that is just yeah. great? Well, first, if you're on an airplane, definitely put your mask on first before you help the next person. Okay. Because you might pass out before you are able to help yourself. But, you know, we need to be resting, moving, and being recharged with whatever that is every single day so that we can be the most effective teammates, colleagues, and leaders that we can. And if you find that you're only working, then you're not doing yourself or your company any favors. Okay. Thank you. Well, Lee, it's been a whole lot of fun once again. Good luck with this book and all you're up to. Thank you so much. I so enjoyed talking with you again, Pete. All right. So the you're dead to me attitude won't work unless you're looking for a good laugh and reviewing Zoolander. Once again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, and the links to items we reference here, that's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F133. And I do encourage you to push the subscribe button so you'll catch folks like our next guest. It's Bupati Arapalu, and he has some perspective on the extent to which your job is safe from the advancing machines and artificial intelligence in that world and how to prepare for it so the machines don't annihilate us, that kind of thing. So. I hope to catch you then, and peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 